Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man, the best podcast to break down hard-hitting dialogue, such as, we better split before they end up killing us. We're already half-crippled. Here to provide analysis for that line, and so much more, is my friend Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? Uh, I can't say I've had the best of days, but I did eat three holiday cookies. Uh, None of them were chocolate chip cookies, which is my standard uh, when I'm making and eating cookies, but... They were smothered in sugar frosting, so they sufficed. Well, since you're not going to even comment, as usual, on the dialogue, <laughs> I will I will contribute a rare James B. Uh, food story as well. After Halloween, I returned, that's right, listeners, I returned some unused Halloween candy to Walmart <laughs> because I had the receipt and I don't want to get stuck with them all because if there's Halloween candy in the house, you know, I'll end up eating right. it. It wasn't my, wasn't my favorite candy anyway. And the woman said, yeah. She said, don't forget we have half-price Halloween candy on sale. So I took the money that uh, I got from returning the candy and I went and I immediately bought 10 packages of Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. <laughs> Instead of four bucks each, they were two bucks each. And today I finished them. <laughs> James B. I was averaging 20 Reese's Peanut Butter Cups a week. So they, they're smallish. It's fine. You did not decrease your caloric intake there I, <laughs> at all, James B. No, I am now also half crippled and I better start are eating you? them before they end up killing me. So. <laughs> these are the goons. Are these Blizzard's goons? Is that what we're talking about here? No, that was uh, Speed Demon. He's, uh, this is when the things go south for the... Uh, you know, the Sinister, Sinister Syndicate. Syndicate. And they, at least, there's a good section of the book where they're like, all right, we all got to get out of here. We're, all, we're losing really bad. And they're like, don't you know it? And they're like, everybody bail out, grab everybody and, and fly away to safety. And they just bail. It's a good plan. All right, all right. Well, let's talk about them. Uh, from October of 1986, Stan Lee presents The Amazing Spider-Man 281, When Warriors Clash. Written by Tom DeFalco, layouts by Ron Friends, pencils and ink by Brett Breeding. When we last left off, the Silver Sable had paid Spider-Man to help her as she prepared to face off against Jack-O-Lantern. But instead, they ended up facing off against the Sinister Syndicate. Ironically, the Sinister Syndicate is being paid by Jack-O-Lantern to eliminate the Silver Sable. A lot of money can be made in the elimination game. Eddie, could you please recap which villains make up the 1986 version of The Sinister Syndicate? Of course. Our listeners might know the Rhino, who's rocking some new bracelets and anklets in this version of him, and the Beetle, a longtime Spider-Man foe. Then there's the lesser-known boring trio of Boomerang, Hydro-Man, and Speed Demon. Since Hydro-Man is there... His rival, Sandman, decides to get involved, which inadvertently saves our heroes, who flee. Spider-Man wants to go back to help the Sandman, but Silver Sable protests. Speaking of protests... Cook an egg, cook a goose, turn the demonstrators loose. (laughs) No, not that kind of protest. I'm referring to the fact that Jonah is not happy with all the Hobgoblin stories in the Bugle, while Joe Robbie believes he can prove Flash Thompson is innocent. In a third protest scene, we transition to Jack-O-Lantern breaking the Hobgoblin, Flash Thompson, out of jail. Flash Thompson's lawyer shouts, Don't go with him, Flash! But 
Jack O'Lantern knocks Flash out and takes him away unconsciously against his will. Jack O'Lantern is playing a way bigger role than I ever thought someone whose main form of transportation is a pogo platform could ever be. Uh, it's wild that Tom DeFalco is giving him serious time and development in Spider-Man. This is like the third book in a row he's around. This guy is wearing a green scaly suit and a pumpkin head. If I was the kingpin, I'd dismiss him too. This excellent book wraps up with so many villains, including a main event fight between the aforementioned Jack-O-Lantern and... actual hobgoblin plus in a battle of difficult names the sinister syndicate fights the sandman silver sable and spectacular spider-man nice summarizing yourself into an annunciation corner there james b thanks eddie the good guys win everyone flees silver sable offers the sandman a job and Flash Thompson escapes as everyone is hunting him down, and he realizes the only person he can go to for help is... No one? Ooh, poor Flash. <laughs> uh, we do not usually talk about fighting in a book, but there is some excellent fighting going on everywhere. I mean, we have an incredible amount of characters. Uh, in one scene on page uh, I think it's page 12. Hydro Man attempts to drown Silver Sable with his watery arm, but Spider-Man webs up Boomerang like a bola and chucks him into the pair. Uh, pretty clever all the way around. It's crazy to me that Jack-O-Lantern can also go toe-to-toe with the Hobgoblin, but Jack catches Hob- Hobby off guard with everyone's favorite tactic. playing possum. James B., do you want to guess who had the smallest number of successful attacks out of the, what, we have six villains in this book? Is it Speed Demon? (laughs) I think it's Boomerang, (laughs) but Speed Demon is a close second. Speed Demon does create like a whirling vortex and make Sandman unable to reform Whereas Boomerang throws like three boomerangs and they don't hit anyone. But Spider-Man's like, whoa, watch out. So, (laughs) sorry, Boomerang. Speaking of missing, I miss Gloria Grant. I haven't seen her lately. I wonder how she's doing. (laughs) Maybe she's in the next book. And it's from November of 1986. Stan Lee presents The Amazing Spider-Man 282, The Fury of X-Factor by Tom DeFalco, Rick Leonardi, and Bob Layton. X-Factor which is essentially the OG X-Men rebranded, is out trying to capture mutants. For no apparent reason, J. Jonah Jameson hires them to capture Spider-Man for $50,000. If they wanted to capture him easily, they could just go to his apartment where Mary Jane has returned from her date to put an injured Peter to bed. So much is going on in this book, and I just want to know who else Mary Jane is calling Tiger. What do you want to talk about from the start of this book, Eddie? This is another book with a lot of characters. To be clear, X-Factor has Cyclops, Beast, but he's he's not in blue form, Iceman, Angel, and Marvel Girl, who is Jean Grey. I'm hyped for another congested battle with a mysterious villain. 
Well, let's see if that happens. Joe Robbie stands up to J. Jonah Jameson for the, uh, like the upteenth time, really, <laughs> threatening to quit. This guy quits more than Peter does. If J. Jonah Jameson doesn't let him print the truth. Speaking of Peter, he disobeys Mary Jane and his health, and a weakened Spider-Man goes looking for Flash. In a somewhat convoluted storyline, X-Factor is trying to help Spider-Man, so they pretend some of them are fighting each other, like X-Factor and X-Men people. Like, the book needs a fight, so Spider-Man fights them. But he's honorable. He doesn't try to kiss Jean Grey. In the end, X-Factor refunds J. Jonah Jameson's money and Spider-Man goes off on his way. Robbie has his job, Flash is still missing, and Glory Grant does not appear in this issue. The status quo remains. You are making a reference to the time that Spider-Man kissed Jean Grey at the end of a book. Right, James B? <laughs> yes, it was a Marvel team-up. That's yeah. what it was. What a nice, obscure one. Well, Mar Marvel team-up four, I think. Wow. Uh, I think well, so. I say boo in this book. There's no real villain. Uh, X-Factor kind of fought a woozy Spider-Man. He's really not feeling well because he just fought the Sinister Syndicate. Uh, could you work for J. Jonah Jameson, James B.? I don't think I could. He's way too manic. You'd be, you could work for him. You put up with me when I'm producing this podcast. <laughs> that gets a little crazy. Have you seen the format of Web of Spider-Man lately? That's all over the board. Fair enough, James B. <laughs> well, one thing I want to say about this book, if I didn't make it clear by saying the status quo remains, you could almost cut this book right out and just throw it away. Uh, speaking of books outside the main Spider-Man storyline, from 1986, Stan Lee presents The Amazing Spider-Man Annual 20, Man of the Year, by Schiller, McDonald, Beecham, and Wyack. Spider-Man is busy fighting the blizzard a reoccurring D-level Iron Man foe when Iron Man appears. Actually, it's Iron Man from 2015, which is you know 30 years a future of when this book was written. <laughs> Not like today. This Iron Man is a man named Arno Stark who has traveled back in time to get a retina scan from Bobby Saunders, a 12-year-old who newspaper records identify as an injured bystander at the scene of a Spider-Man conflict. Saunders was killed in the future, so Arno needs to travel back in time to get Bobby's retina scan to save his wife and child. Okay, in 1986, the Blizzard currently has Bobby as a hostage, so Arno grabs Bobby, and with a blast from his wrist, he kills the Blizzard, exclaiming, I've got no time for this clown. Future Iron Man fails to convey to Spider-Man why he needs this 12-year-old retina scan. Thus, Spider-Man <laughs> fights future Iron Man. I'm ready for Peter to go to a therapist and learn how to talk out his problems with whoever he's angry at. Uh, although, I guess it was really future Iron Man who was unable to take 15 seconds to explain to Spider-Man he needs this kid's retina scan to save his time period. It's quite pretentious for him to think that it's faster to defeat Spider-Man than to utter five sentences. Uh, this does not encourage me to read Iron Man or 
future Iron Man books. Concluding this Marvel team-up-like annual, (laughs) Bobby gets injured in 1986, as the newspaper had reported, and an angry Spider-Man goes to town, delivering future Iron Man a serious beating. This Arno Stark travels back into the future, but unlike 1984's Terminator movie, when this metal man travels back in time, it's too late to save his wife and child and countless others from the bomb Bobby Saunders planted, and he finds a crater there that killed way more people than expected. My limited research suggests not only is this not Iron Man, Eddie, but this is not even future Iron Man, because the future world is not this world. This is not a 616 world. This isn't the world that we read about. It's some kind of crossover into a a multiverse. So this isn't even part of that world. Weird. Well... I know the next book is from the world we do read about, James B., uh, and it's from December of 1986. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man 283 with Foes Like These by DeFalco, Friends, and Layton. This busy book opens with two storylines. Flash is trying to find Spider-Man, while separately Spider-Man and Captain Keating from the New York Police Department are both looking for Flash. The other story shows us Titania robbing a jewelry store, fleeing from Spider-Man back to her lover, the Absorbing Man. Peter calls the Avengers on them and decides it's their problem. Remember, Eddie? He's quitting. Yeah, count this guy out. The only reason he's going to be wall crawling is to get cobwebs out of Aunt May's living room. (laughs) Oh, Eddie, don't forget, he has to be Spider-Man until the Flash Thompson... (laughs) Storyline is ended. So we have, uh, let's see, six more books times three things. 18 more issues. And Uh, then he's definitely out. Okay. All right. Thanks, James B. You're welcome. (laughs) Back at the Bugle, your best friend, Ned Leeds, is calling out his cheating wife. And Peter steps in. Cushing, Robbie, and Bannon uh, make an appearance before Peter leaves. Of note, his spider sense goes off, but he ignores it. That's also a theme. He goes to see Mary Jane, and again, his spider sense goes off, and he ignores it. This time, we see the Hobgoblin having MJ's boss working on Goblin grenades. Wow. After some minor updates about the Avengers, Crusher Creel, who is the Absorbing Man, is with Titania, and they're dressed as chauffeurs as they're picking up a member of the Masters of Evil. Ooh, exciting. However, Titania goes off script and decides to engage Spider-Man. Spider-Man fights Titania and the Absorbing Man at the airport. Where Crusher Creel threatens an entire plane of passengers, forcing Spider-Man to flee. Flash forlornly reads, Spider-Man, a coward, in next morning's paper. Ending with Flash not in good shape again. Oh, poor Flash. Well, I thought Crusher Creel and Crusher Hogan were the same person for a hot second. <laughs> they look similar to me. I-, I thought Titania was going for older men who brag about mentoring Spider-Man. Uh, it would even play into how she thinks she can't defeat Spider-Man. Uh, if it wasn't clear, Titania and Spider-Man are like avoiding outright conflict throughout this book because they're scared of each other. When they fought during the first Secret Wars, they both felt like they got outclassed by each other. Part of the plot could have been, though, Crusher Hogan telling Titania about how tough Spider-Man was, because <laughs> I helped him, further making her fearful of him. Okay, okay. <laughs> Crusher Hogan got picked up by Spider-Man and carried around, you know, back in the first book there. 
Crusher Creel lifted up a passenger like 747 airplane. He lifted the entire airplane it's with pretty all wild. the people on it and said, I'm going to throw this airplane full of 300 people unless you, you bail Spider-Man. Spider-Man's like, okay, if you're going to throw a plane uh, at me, it's so completely you're to, different. You're, tell, you're trying to tell me these two people I should not have mixed up. <laughs> Correct. All right, James V. Hey, Eddie, I thought 281 was excellent. I thought 283 was pretty good as well. I don't need the annual X-Factor book, whatever. Uh, I'm expecting the Avengers to possibly come help with the Masters of Evil, get this group together. Um, so I'd recommend this stretch of issues to listeners. Yeah, there's a ton of characters in it. I think that's what makes it so interesting. It's almost like a, like it's almost like an annual to have the Sinister Syndicate plus you know all of the X-Men, even though you know the X-Men book isn't super fantastic, but. It's exciting to see them all together in Spider-Man doing things with Spider-Man. So, yeah, yeah, I had to, I had to cut some sections out, which I usually don't do. So, but, you know, things I couldn't mention. It was just running so long. But uh, we got to make sure we have time to talk about everything and time to get our sponsor in. Yeah, we wouldn't want to forget our sponsor, would we, James B? Eddie, make your ride luxurious and safe with our professional and experienced drivers. Book now the Let's Ride Midtown Limousine to New York City, New York, White Plains, Westchester, any point in Southern Connecticut. Experienced drivers are available to chat, fight Spider-Man, recommend restaurants, lift 220-ton airplanes, make hotel reservations, rob jewelry stores, or provide hotspot limo access. Call CC Limo. We crush the competition. CC Limo. All right, well, it sounds like Crusher Creel and Titania have a good legitimate business there. Um, if they can keep from randomly starting a fight with Spider-Man whenever they see him. Uh, I don't know. That seems hazardous for the average. Uh, I've never used CC Limo. Have you used it before? I, I have not used CC Limo. Well, if the listeners have used CC Limo and they want to tell us if they're any good <laughs> so we can recommend them to other people, how could they reach us? You could email us at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com. Or click on the link in this podcast description to join our Discord channel and connect with us through social media. And now it's time for the close. I'm James B., joined by... Eddie! And remember, listeners, if you're losing a fight to Spider-Man, just lift up a 485,000-pound airplane full of passengers, and he'll go away. Goodbye. Goodbye. Eddie, we did a New Year's episode. We even talked about your New Year's resolution. What are you going to do? I just want to start a fight with someone and then play possum to see if it's as useful to me as it is for everyone in Spider-Man. Let's let's talk this out for a minute. Okay, help me. Okay, so how would you go about doing this? You're going to walk up to someone and start swinging at them. That's right. Yeah, how do you play possum in the middle of this fight? What are you going to do? I, I have to be able to take a punch to a certain extent and overreact. Like, you know, okay. like... He, they take a punch and I get thrown behind the bar or something. And okay. <laughs> I jump. And now what are you gonna do? Play this out. Then you're not getting. And up, then right? the guy comes up to me in a menacing way and stands over me, and mm. then I like crack a bottle on his kneecap or something. I guess. <laughs> All right. Why don't you Why don't you start this practice this with your dog Pepper? How big is Pepper in <laughs> pounds? He's he's uh maybe sixteen pounds. <laughs> okay. 
So why don't you kind of mix it up with pepper, and then when pepper like pushes back at you, you fall down. <laughs> And then when Pepper comes up to you, you pretend you're unconscious. And then when Pepper's like gloating about his victory, you could spring to action. See how that goes. Brilliant idea, James P. I'll try it tonight.